Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Comfort Zone. I am your host, Joe Barksdale. To the first-time visitors, to the first-time visitors as well as the repeat offenders, thank you all so much for checking us out. Uh, this is a mental health podcast that looks at mental health through the lenses of arts and entertainment, specifically music, comedy, and sports. Um, we have a guest today, but before we get into that, I do want to say that while conversations on this podcast can be therapeutic, I am not a therapist. This is not a re- this is not a replacement for therapy. Um, you know, just want y'all to know that. Feel something, say something. Um, and with that, we're going to get into it. Um, like I said, I'm going to start with the feelings wheel. You guys know this by now. They're, I mean, this is pretty much what I do. Feelings wheel, then we go to the guest, let them do their feelings wheel, we start talking. So, I feel... Oh, okay, here's a good I feel... I feel insecure. I feel insecure. Cause I gotta work it. Like normally, I would have worked out by now, but I haven't worked okay. out yet, and I am not secure in the fact that I'm gonna be able to finish my workout. Right. Oh, and with that, ladies and gentlemen, we are we are. I'm very happy to bring this person to the. I'm about to say to the stage. I'm very happy to bring this person on the podcast. This is one of my really good friends and also a very hilarious comedian. His name is Randall Martin, ladies and gentlemen. Hey man, I appreciate man the invite, um, and yes, I definitely consider you a, a truly good friend. You know, what I'm saying a surprising, you know, uh, event. You know, what I'm saying coming to Austin, I really didn't come here for that. You know, what I'm saying, but you know how life is. Um, so let's see. You, you want me to go straight into my uh, feelings, Will? Or you want me to tell a little bit about who I am and stuff? Whichever you want to do first. I guess I'll talk about myself first. We can get. Uh, I am Randall. Uh, I am from originally from Virginia. Uh, came out here to work the uh, tech industry. Uh, Joe and I met through comedy, uh, through art. Uh, so you know that that's how we we connected really. Um, and I think the um, I don't know. I guess you probably already knew this, but and we've talked about it some. You know what I'm saying? But the one thing that really connects comics is pain. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And being able to turn that into something that people can enjoy. So mm-hmm. That's true. And I will inter- interject because I just did an episode about mentors. Randall is also a comedy mentor of mine, too. So, No doubt. The honor is mine. That man is drinking a, a highball. No, I'm just playing. Nah, my bad. <laughs> I'll give you a hard time. I know, right? All right, so if I can go into my feelings, Will, I'm going to be real with you. I would say um, I'm starting from the inside out. So Mm -hmm. I would say fearful because I'm also kind of anxious, you know. Um, That's real. Yeah, Uh, that's mainly work-related, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes it's relationship-related, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's, you know, financial, whatever, you know what I'm saying? But... I think I manage it pretty well. Uh, comedy is even also, I don't know, I guess lately, you know what I'm saying, it's kind of been stressful. Not stressful in that um, doing it or even preparing for it. It's just trying to fit that into all the other stuff that I have. You know what I'm saying? It's just, mm-hmm. yeah, I would like to do it more. 
you know what I'm saying? But it's just, I can't. But uh, anyway. I can dig that. Yeah. And that and that speaks to something that I was talking about our last guest T Bob with about, mm-hmm. you know, the the stressful part of time management, you know, trying to see where you can fit things in and that kind of thing. I mean, I had I had a uh, similar revelation the mm-hmm. other day, like, you know, because I do do like multiple things like you. And it's like, man, I can't continue to treat comedy like it's the only thing I do because I'm doing a disservice to the other things. But then you're trying to figure out, well, how much should I be doing? How much should I not be doing? You know, so I get right. that. I get that. Okay. So let's actually, yeah, let's let's start with that a little bit because, you know, people don't know. How how did you get into comedy? Oh, man. Um, that's, it really wasn't my idea, um, to be honest with you. I had a friend of mine uh, that I met in college. Uh, his name was Perry. I met him again in the workforce. You know, we became really close, you know, hang out all the time, you know, smoke together, play a lot of video games, just, you know, someone I would hang out with a lot. And one day, just sitting in my apartment uh, many years ago, probably about 15 years ago, he was like, yo, I want to be a I want to be a stand up comic. And it may sound weird, but it had never occurred to me that normal people could just be comics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> until that fucking moment until he said it you know what i'm saying i was like oh yeah yeah you you could do that and you know i'm the type of friend that you know you shouldn't tell me something you know because if you tell me something then i kind of feel like it's my job to uh pester you until I, I see you you know go through fruition and he wasn't that type of dude uh mm-hmm. he definitely wanted to do it but he just uh probably didn't have the gumption to get up there and do it um but we also uh him and I together love comedy the same way. Um, but uh, I would say in, what was it, 2014, I decided to do comedy for myself, but mm-hmm. I also wanted him to start with me because that was my dude. Mm-hmm. So it was probably about June. We were going to start at the Funny Bone. Uh, and, you know, I kind of paid, there was like a course that we were going to, not, not really a course, but it was like a, they allowed you to get on stage, you pay some money, go there for six weeks and whatnot, you know, and at the end of it, you, you know, do the graduation show and, you know, you try comedy or whatever. So we were going to do that together. Um, he passed away a week before we were supposed to start. So actually the first day of, uh, of class, mm-hmm. uh, I was actually, I missed it because I was actually at his funeral. So that was really my introduction to comedy. Uh, I really just thought that the only thing that I was going to do was uh, go to the end of the course and really just kind of honor his family um, and just complete it because it was his idea first, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I didn't understand is that um, it meant so much to me to do well for him that I didn't understand that at the end of that, that I would be the standout of that particular class. So I was kind of just thrust into a comedy scene, you know, at that point, and now I'm performing everywhere. So that that really was my start. Um, I really didn't really start enjoying it, probably until about year two, because okay. that, you know, up to that point, I was only doing it to, you know, I hated bombing because I felt like I was letting him down. You know what I'm saying? For those but, of y'all that don't know, bombing means well, yeah. tell, you tell him in your words what bombing means. Ooh, um, bombing is silence. Um, I know that, you know, people have recently heard what T.I. got booed at in Brooklyn. Somebody told me. Or whatever. 
and they call that bombing. You know what I'm saying? But that's that's just no. We're not rocking with this shit. That's there you that's go. not what bombing, bombing is. is. Rejection from the audience. <laughs> bombing is silence. Bombing is the opposite of laughter. You know what I'm saying? When you're just up there trying to say your jokes and it's just it's not going the way you intended. You know. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I took that personal because you know. I feel like I was letting him down, but uh, I would say probably about, you know, somewhere around year year two and a half, three, you know what I'm saying? I'm starting to do it for myself, you know what I'm saying? Still honoring him. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is Hawk. That was his nickname, so that's why I use uh, Hawk Comedy. You can follow me on social media at all there you uh, go. social media platforms, uh, at Hawk Comedy. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's how I got into comedy, but, you know, as, as it is now, um, you know, I do it when I can. Um, I, I probably put myself on this scene about a year ago. I've been doing comedy for about eight years, but I hadn't been doing it here. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I, I decided to make an open mic run, and I've kind of created a, at least enough buzz where people are booking me. You know, what mm-hmm. I'm saying I'm not able to hit the open mic scene like I used to, but you know, what I'm saying I, I try to, you know, do really well when I'm booked. Yeah. Well, and two, we're talking about the difference between short-term intensity versus long-term consistency. And I would consider right. you someone with long-term consistency. Like like you said, yeah, you're not at every open mic during the week, but you are consistent and you continue, you know, you do what you you do what you can and you do what you need to. And you right. have the results. I mean, to be honest with y'all, this man's results is, are better than most people who hit open mics every night. So... <laughs> Thank you. Let me just that. say all. <laughs> Let me just say all. You hit open mics every night and you ain't getting no better. You may need to talk. Get a mentor. <laughs> no doubt, man. No doubt. But that's but I mean, but that's true. Cause like Randall said, he's he's in the Austin area as well. And like oh yeah, you already said that at the beginning. He um he uh like you said he doesn't hit so open mics are pretty much like gyms for comedians where you get to work out like new material and that kind of thing but i ain't gonna lie to y'all i do feel like within the next year like randall will probably never be at an open mic again unless he's looking for somebody to like do shows with or something like that because you'll be at the point where you know you you got so many shows you just you know he you throw your new stuff in in the middle of your shows you know? no doubt no doubt um but yeah, no, nah, that's uh speak but speaking of what you said earlier, I did want to ask you. You were talking about how you were doing comedy for your friend at first, and then you said uh a year or two into it, you started, you know, you had a change. What brought about that mental shift? I just I stopped, you know. I realized that I liked it too. You know what I'm saying? Okay. I realized that I had, you know, even though it was his idea, you know what I'm saying? Uh, he'd never wrote any jokes for me. You know what I'm saying? He never, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, he never saw me get on stage either. Mm-hmm. But so, you know, at a certain point in time, I realized that I, I I truly was doing everything and it wasn't just, you know, me doing his idea. You know what I'm saying? I, I had the desire too. you know, yeah. so, and, you know, once I realized that, you know what I'm saying? Then, you know, bombing was easier. You know what I'm saying? You, you have to... Uh, <laughs> be comfortable with failure in, in comedy, mm-hmm. you know? So that's what it is. And I will say this as a comedian, silence isn't always a bad thing, uh, depending on what you're doing. Like some people use silence to build tension. Some people use silence to gauge if the audience is listening to what they're saying or not. But Truth. true extended silence is a bad 
<laughs> right. When you're expecting laughter and there's silence, that's not good. That's... When you're giggling and everybody else is quiet. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, y'all oh, ain't like that man. one. Right, exactly. <laughs> so I have another question. These questions are honestly just coming from the things that you're saying because oh, that's how they're no supposed doubt. to be. I no hate doubt. when people are like, oh, we have these questions already written out for Well, this conversation ain't real. Okay, sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, so your story, and, and if at any time you want to, you know, like no comment or move on, like just let me know. All right, this is up. Because your story, uh, the intro to your comedy story sounds very painful and you already alluded to, you know, like, Let's just say it, man. Like every good comedian, something's wrong with him. All right, like something, something happened. Absolutely, man. And that's not me saying y'all need to go out and find something to happen to you. But <laughs> no, no, yeah, no. you know, like, but that's you know, pain. Like you said, is a very big part of you know, comedy. How much of your overall material act, like the things you say on stage, what percentage of that would you say is rooted in pain? Um, I would say, ooh, and then I'll answer um, the question too. So I would say a hundred percent of it. Okay, we got we had the same answer. Yeah, I would say one hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. Can, can um, you expound on that? I can. Um, I think anytime I'm telling a joke, even though uh, I can make someone laugh about it, there's definitely always um, a fear of being laughed at. Okay. So it's like the comics, um, job is to, you know, convince people to laugh with them instead of at them. Mm -hmm. Cause we're really just projecting our vulnerabilities mm -hmm. on stage. So and that's I, how you can tell the difference between, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to keep cutting you off, but that's how you can tell you the difference between an experienced comedian and an inexperienced comedian. <laughs> an experienced comedian wants you to laugh at them. An experienced comedian wants you to laugh with them. Even if it is at them, we still laughing together. Right, right, right. Because, well, you know, I don't know. There's styles. I'll say, you know, using a boxing metaphor, styles make fights. You know what I'm saying? There you go. I, you know, if, if we talk about, uh, if we can just be real and talk about urban comedy, um, that's, you know, that actually is is important in urban comedy. You know what I'm saying? You, you mm -hmm. actually do have to kind of bring that. Um, I think I do you know, a slightly different style of urban comedy. Um, but there's definitely a place in the, in the audience for that. Mm -hmm. Um, for sure. Yeah. He, what Randall's saying is, I'll say it for you. What Randall's saying is <laughs> I ain't about to be tap dancing on stage with no blackface to get y'all to laugh at me. That's what we meant by laugh at. But yes. yeah, like sometimes people would, especially like you talking about with urban comedy, because a lot of people are afraid, afraid to do comedy in urban settings. Cause and I've heard this from like many comedians, like black people just won't laugh. Like we're not, we're not just gonna sit there and give you the courtesy chuckles. Nah, like I paid money to be here. You better be funny. Right, right. And you yeah. better project part of me on stage, or I'm not gonna connect to that. So there you go. That's also part of that. You know what I'm saying? But that's, I think that's all comedy audiences. You know what I'm saying? You know. And subconsciously, that's, and I mean, I've had a theory about that too. That like you know, good comedians connect with pain. Cause that's that, I mean, everybody's been through pain. That's the ultimate right. equalizer. You know, people always talk about like, be relevant with your jokes. Well, we've all, you know, everyone's experienced pain. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, I didn't understand until I, you know, 
started doing comedy for a while, but I definitely, uh, I do understand how my pain contributed to me understanding comedy. Um, and if I can be very honest, my pain, or at least my trauma, is rooted in seeing uh, my mother harmed. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, as, as a young kid on more than one occasion. So for me, um, he, her laugh, and I think I may have said this to you, uh, her laugh is my favorite audible sound. It mm-hmm. always has been. Um, so um, I didn't understand that I was doing that, but I was always either trying to create a situation where I either heard it or hearing it was an indication to me that she was okay. It relieved that anxiety that you were talking about earlier. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think that um, for a very long time, um, that's why I paid attention to comedy so long. You know what I'm saying? Or, or mm-hmm. you know, at least for a long time. And and I think, at least for me, that's what it is. I think you really do, uh, for most people, you understand, uh, even, you know, immersed in pain, uh, where the joke is, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's that that's kind of what links us all, you know, at least as comics. So when it comes to um, you were talking about hearing your mom's laugh and the, the pain that you you know like that early trauma that you experienced growing up. Are there things that you do not like? Are there topics or subjects that in, in your life personally that you don't touch uh, because of that or? Um, I haven't found a way to touch that on stage. Um, you know, I came to comedy late. I was, you know, I, I was 42, mm-hmm. uh, before I stepped on the stage. So just so y'all know, Randall looks about 35, but yeah, continue. <laughs> <laughs> so that was eight years ago, you know what I'm saying? And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so I, I had plenty to talk about, you know, I had raised kids, you know what I'm saying? I had experienced things. I, I had married someone, gone through a divorce, separation, you know what I'm saying? So I, I had material to talk about. Um, I think if you are a very young comic um, and you have not experienced anything beyond that trauma and maybe a couple years past high school, um, uh, you, you know, you might have some, you know, you might have to talk about that or you might have to bring that out. Yeah. But um, no, nah, I think I still have uh, plenty of stuff to talk about. Uh, and I experience stuff all the time. So, yeah. I can dig that. I was trying to think as I asked you that question, if there's anything that I don't crack jokes about. And I I can't think of any... I don't really make slavery jokes. Uh, Yeah, I don't don't really make slavery jokes. We saw, when I was a kid, like in kindergarten, in African-American studies, I grew up in Detroit, Michigan. Our teacher came in and um, someone said something about they didn't know anything about slavery. This is urban Detroit, like a 99% black class. And our kindergarten teacher was like, well, y'all going to learn today. And we watched Roots. Um, <laughs> to, to this day, when I see a whipping scene, I feel it. Like, I don't just see it. I feel it. It hurts. Wow. Um, wow. Okay. But yeah, like that's so when it comes to like slavery and stuff like that, and I get it, like different people, you know, crack jokes about. I'm not saying no one should crack jokes about slavery. I can't bring myself to do it. Um, slavery is honestly one of the only reasons I don't kill myself because I know mm. like my ancestors didn't go through all that just for me to be like, fuck it. Wow. You know. So what was it like for you uh, in grade school sitting? Well, I don't know. Uh, 
when I sat in class, I had white people in my class. Some people did not. Yeah. Uh, so Black History Month for me was, I don't want to say it was uncomfortable, but it was just awkward. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. uh, being in that type of class with people that were not black. Uh, did you, in Detroit, did you have that same experience? Nah, and I honestly think that's one of the reasons why so many people from like Detroit, Chicago, go to these HBCUs and so forth. Because you right. used to being at an HBCU just in high school, you know, in, in middle school, in elementary right. school. Right. I, I, I grew up, I would say, I don't know how people, I don't know what people define as like white, because every person has a different definition of white. I try to, mm. you know, learn about people's history and say what they are. Um, like right. growing up, I was, I had all Jew, all black and Jewish teachers. Okay. Uh, so I knew everything about the Holocaust. I knew everything about, you know, slavery and the civil rights movement. <laughs> we actually had a Jewish teacher teaching us Spanish. Do you know how funny it is to be celebrating, <laughs> uh, what is that? Hanukkah? Like we, <laughs> Hanukkah oh, singing God. the songs in Spanish. Like, are there Spanish <laughs> Jews? I don't know. <laughs> His name was Mr. Brodsky, I think. Oh my gosh! Was he? Did he have a heavy Jewish accent? Yes. Oh gosh! <laughs> and I'm yeah. not about. I'm not about to do it. But yeah. let's just say my understanding of Spanish was fucked up before I got to high school. Yes, that would sprain your tongue trying to. <laughs> Where's the Spanish <laughs> teacher's yarmulke? What's going on? No. No. The fuck. But I used, I would say, like when it comes to comedy, and I've talked about this before. Like I always used it as a shield for my emotions. Um, mm. and uh, a lot of bad things have happened to me so that shield has needed to be put up a lot but like even when I meet people I'm nervous you know jokes always relieve the tension but that's that's what I used it for like a way for people to and I'm also autistic I don't understand my own emotions half the time so comedy was a way to keep people I even cracked well, I'm hilarious during my therapy sessions because mm. <laughs> Because when we start getting like in the real emotional stuff, boom, here's a joke. There's a joke. Let me write this down. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, yeah, I mean, that's that I, that's where it all comes from. That's exactly where it comes from. Yes. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I'm, I mean, my therapist can see through it now. Like, I'll crack a joke. She'll be like, ha, 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 but back to your dad. You know what right. I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely, I definitely understand that. When it mm. comes when it comes to comedy, I know this is very cliche, but can you talk about like some of your uh, like influences or comedy heroes and so forth? Definitely. Um, uh, before I, I would say, just you know, before I get into the ones that people would know, okay. um, I, I have to give my dad some credit, um, at least for for not necessarily for comedy, but for just being. Uh, he was the type of some person that would just say inappropriate things not out loud but just to me you know what i'm saying and <laughs> to get me to laugh you know what i'm saying yeah. like you know we would be in a room in front of people he shouldn't say that but you know but yeah he was that type of guy um so i never feared being inappropriate you know what i'm saying because I, I saw that early now okay. as far as my comedy influences uh in 1983 now i'm going to date myself uh i was 11 <laughs> years old <laughs> oh, right shit. in 1983 i was 11 Right. Okay. I feel like Kevin Hart talking to Don Cheetah, <laughs> right. like, damn. Like, He's like, damn. Right. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please continue. So, so in that year, uh, Bill Cosby releases Bill Cosby himself, uh, 
what I, th- you know, and I'm biased, of course, because I was 11, mm-hmm. but I still think, at least for my time, that was the greatest comedy hour that, probably a little bit longer than that, that I've ever heard. Okay. Um, but in that same year, Eddie Murphy, in his red leather suit, re- released Delirious. Now, I couldn't watch Delirious because, you know, that was the one thing about Bill Cosby that I was impressed by. Uh, we all could watch it. Grandkids, parents, mm-hmm. grandparents, and everyone thought it was funny. It, like it wasn't, you know, uh, phony. It was. It was just really good comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I wasn't allowed to watch uh, Eddie Murphy, though. You know what I'm saying? Which sucked because, you know, by the time you got to school, everyone's saying the jokes, and you got to pretend like you know what the fuck's going on and shit. So when people are saying "Goonie Goo Goo," you know what I'm saying? And yeah. You got to pretend like you know what the fuck that means, you know, or whatever. But um. And if you don't know what that means, uh, <laughs> which, which I'm sure you don't. Which are young, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it's funny. As you said that, I'm like, wow, I'm actually what? acting like I know what that means right now. <laughs> exactly. That's, that was me. <laughs> 11. That was me at 11. <laughs> Faking the funk. You know what I'm saying? But uh, uh, So, yeah, those two. But I did get to see it because uh, my mom went out one night and my babysitter was watching it. So I was like, yeah. So I got to see that finally, and and that you know was was uh, uh, let's just say nefarious, okay. <laughs> to say the least. A That's lot a of cursing, a lot of sex, a lot, a lot of things I probably shouldn't shouldn't have heard at eleven. Um, but if you take both of those huge rock star influences in mm-hmm. comedy, because those are rock star seminal moments in comedy uh, in mm-hmm. 1983, um, that's that's really my influence. Now, uh, my favorite comic. Uh, uh, rest in peace to Patrice O'Neal. Um, Shout out to Patrice. Yeah. What what makes him your favorite comic? Um, I just think that he he's probably the, uh, the most one of the most honest comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that I heard like he put it all, like really put it all out there. Um, very smart. Um, one of the first rules that I le- learned in comedy, uh, was never offend women, uh, cause comedy is ladies night, La- mm-hmm. you know, ladies night, you know what I'm saying? And that's going to be the, the majority ladies. of your audience, you know, uh, mm-hmm. don't do that. Uh, he consistently attacked women <laughs> on stage. <laughs> 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 like, and, you know, and I don't mean to laugh at it and, and champion it because I think that's cool to, to do that. I'm just saying. You know, just as a risk taker, you know, I respect the game. Like, wow, really? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He pulls that off beautifully, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And uh, consistently, you know, so I just, uh, uh, I appreciate that. You know, I, I'm not that brave. You know, I don't I don't be attacking women like that. But it's but, still cool uh, to see someone do what you're not supposed to do and have success. Exactly, exactly. You know? So I, I just think he's he's highly I'm, skilled. Um, his bits are are incredible. But yeah, that, that's, that's my guy. I can dig that. Yeah. Do you... Um... Do you see any of yourself in him or any of him in you? You know what I mean? Like, you know, I wish he died before I decided that I wanted to do comedy. Uh, he was still my favorite at that time. Okay. Uh, but um, at the most, I would wish that if he was still alive, that he would think I'm funny. That's that would real. be enough. You know, um, I think I've told you this before, as far as, uh, what I'm expecting out of comedy, I, I've already gotten out of, com- you know, just the honest uh, reaction from 
multiple you know crowds that I've been in front of in the, for the last eight years have already given me um, the validation that I know I'm a comic. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think television, uh, a national push, or anything else can really is going to convince me any further. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may line my pockets. Uh, so if you know if someone's trying to push it, then you know, let, let's go. But <laughs> yeah, check that man out. He is funny. You know, and but look, uh, and if y'all don't get him, his ass will be on tour with me when I go somewhere. So you better I, get him. <laughs> <laughs> somebody, somebody. But yeah, man, I, I just, I mean, I don't mean to sound sappy about it, man, but really, my goal is, um, I, the currency is me for me is like people who I respect uh, saying okay. that I'm funny. That's real, and like. I mean, you know, as a comic, like that feels way better than cash in your hand. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And I still like it to, you know, in some ways I still, you know, romance over it and I want it to stay that way, you know, but yeah. I can dig that. Yeah. When it comes to, um, how can I put this? So when it comes to comedy, what would you say that it does? I mean, for your mental health in general, it doesn't have to be a positive thing or a negative thing. But um, like there have been days, cause I'm, I'm not perfect. There's days that I've forgotten to take my medicine. And it's been the same days that I'm going to like a, an open mic or a show. Mm-hmm. And I feel terrible. Like, you know, pulling up, you're angry, you're pissed, you're sad. But getting right. off stage, it's like, wow, that was that, that, that hit harder than any medicine I could, you know, after a good performance. Look, um, man. Mm. So yeah. What what would you say? Like, how does comedy impact your mental health? I would say it it validates the pain. Um, I don't think I can. Uh, this this is what I'll say. I don't think that. Um, I don't want to say whether or not because I don't think it's my opinion. Because I really, when I do comedy, I, I'm in service to the people, so it's not really of me to say whether I'm good or not. But um, uh, what it does for me is like. When I know the uh, the audience has enjoyed themselves, I feel like the pain I've gone through is worth it to get there. You know what I'm saying? So okay. that that's what it really, it really is for me. You know. So for you, it's more like you feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it it sounds like the same feeling that you would get from like community service. Like it's not about me; it's about helping the 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 people around me, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean. You know, I've been in some real low places where, you know, just someone saying something different makes me laugh. And then, you know, I'm out of it. You know what I'm saying? Someone has yanked mm-hmm. me out of that room. through la- la- Laughter is powerful, you know. And to be able to do it, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I-, I would say, to answer your question more directly, how does it feel? Um, uh, you saw my last show. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not going to. You killed, by the way. Right. The so the bombing. I'm not going to say it. I'll let, I'll let you say it. You know what I'm saying? Cause you know, that's how it should be. But, um, it, it, it just makes me, it makes it f- me feel like the time that I spend in it is worth the time spent. You know, I don't feel like I'm wasting my time, you know, and you know, nights like that just, you know, it, it just really just reinforces what I kind of have known about myself for a while. And that's, this is out of all the difficult things that I've ever tried to do. Now, you know, dude, comedy is not easy. Mm-mm. Not at all. Uh, T.I., I'll tell you that. That shit is not easy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm just saying. It don't matter how famous you are, how much money you have. 
No, this right. this art form will humble you. You know what I'm saying? It's like the game of golf. You know what I'm saying? Like you can get the best clubs in the world. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But if you can't swing them, you know it, it doesn't matter. You know, so uh, yeah. You know, I, I'm I'm just I'm just grateful. You know what I'm saying? That you know that I can do it at a level that you know people respect. You know, and and that's yeah. How would you describe your comedy or yourself as a comedian? Like if someone was like. Oh, Randall, I'm thinking about coming to your show. I don't know why I just did some... Di- oh, Randall, I'm thinking about coming to your show. Uh, he's saying that because he thinks only white people would think I'm funny. I think that's what he's... That, that's what that's you're trying to infer? That's not true For bringing out your white voice? Is that what oh, you're trying to infer? No, I was just trying to sound like not like myself. I notice my voice always just goes high when I'm trying not to be me. Um, I was actually just being some aloof dude. But, you know, so Randall, <laughs> tell me, like, how would you... How would you describe your comedy? Like, what, you know... <sighs> You tell me if I, I, I do have the answer because uh, I've said it before and you tell me if it's accurate or not. I've always say that I am cleverly crude. God damn it. That is, that is perfect. That's, yes. 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 But there's more too. Like I would say the clever crudeness if comedy was like pizza, clever mm-hmm. crudeness would just be one of your toppings. Like I don't think it's like the basis of who you are as a community. No, no, no. Well, how, well how, would you, on there. how would you describe it if someone was asking you? Uh, someone who wanted to sign me to a million dollar contract. <laughs> I'm just putting that into the universe. But <laughs> okay, I wouldn't. Okay, I, I wouldn't use Bill Cosby just because, like, I'm I'm trying to get you paid. Because uh, <laughs> 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 before I would have said like, "Oh, this dude is like, you know, imagine." I mean. The, the gap between Patrice O'Neal and Bill Cosby, that's where he lives. Okay. You know what I'll I mean? I'll take it. Like, I'll and, take and it. never be like where you just lean full into Cosby. And it's like, oh, is this dude Bill Cosby or lean full into O'Neal? And it's like, oh, is this Patrice O'Neal? But, you know, like, I, that's that's what I would say. Like, in, in terms right. of how Kanye West said he was the gap between the two labels that he was trying to sign with. Right. That's how I see you as a comedian. No doubt. No doubt. And from there, like... And I, you you talk you talk a lot about yourself in a good way because at the end of the day that's what every comedian gets to you know you talking about your life and that kind of thing right you're real open and honest about the things you talk about too and you say it in a way that's very like Randall's very relaxed on stage like this way he's talking right now he's probably even more relaxed on stage <laughs> I am I'm, I am yeah this is less relaxing than performing in front of people there you go. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so now it's about to get even more or less relaxing. Oh, what is man. the most personal thing you've ever said on stage? <laughs> What's the mm. most personal like topic, subject matter that you've talked about on stage? Oh gosh, um, ED, ED. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's erectile um, dysfunction for those yes. of y'all that don't know. You didn't look, man. Like some people could have just been confused. Damn it. Shit, man. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, for those of you that didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Randall gets on me about this all the time too. Like, stop treating your audience like they're stupid. Like, I'm right, sorry. right, like it's okay. So not everyone gets it. Um, That's real. I well, I guess I can't say. Well, I'm not going to say my bit, but uh, I, I use the sports metaphor. Uh, I think you've heard me uh, kick that on stage. Yeah. Um, uh, the speech, you know. Uh, but yeah, so. Uh, I, I'm not going to go into detail about that, but yeah, that 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 would probably be one of the most personal things. Um, uh, believe it or not, um, uh, the choking one. 
Okay. Uh, that that's personal. That's per- um, yeah, that's personal. That that's real personal. Uh, and and I'm talking about uh, me being the. Oh choker. no, y'all can, y'all can show up yeah. and watch this man. Yeah. Perform it, and then you'll see what he's talking about. Yeah, you see what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that's the one thing about comedy, man. As soon as these jokes get on TV, you know what I'm saying? I got to go to the next thing. Allegedly, I've heard uh, different. I've heard different. Uh, I don't know. Uh, responses to that, because because like Gastor says, like if it's gonna be like if you did something and it was on TV, but then you're gonna do a show that's like three times as big as the last show you did on TV, which means it's going to reach more people. Like, you know, oh, yeah. think, right, right, that right. kind of thing. Yeah. True, true. I'm saying, but once it gets to that point, then, you know, it's done. You know, it's oh, like yeah. Chris Rock can't, you know, borrow a joke <laughs> from his last special, <laughs> you know, to make up time. Nah, true. <laughs> <That's> true. <not laughs> <happening. laughs> true. Uh, I promise um, Netflix a whole hour. <laughs> nah. And we, look, and Netflix probably like, we need an hour and 10 just in case we got to shave something down. Right. <laughs> Exactly, you know. So, <laughs> so I'll tell you the most. Part- oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, nah, I was saying that's that's what I want, man. I, I just want to do an hour, man. I feel like I have an hour, you know what I'm saying? Um, but I would have to work at. I would have to work at least, man. That was gonna be my next question. Like, what you know? What would you say that you're working toward? Well, I have a full time job. You know what I'm saying? I have a career, so it's like I have to gauge it in in relationship in relationship to that. Mm-hmm. So. uh all right, so how much time did I do at your show? 20, like I say, 22 20, minutes, 23. 23. Um, uh, I apologize, but I didn't start preparing for that show until Sunday. Um, I ain't tripping. Uh, now, what are you apologizing for? I'm, I'm just sorry. saying. I'm just this, saying. Man, this man did the time that he was supposed to do. The minimum time that he was supposed to do was 20 minutes. He did 23 minutes. And killed, and he's apologizing. I'm just this saying, is the I'm most saying. humble man. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, but I would need no, nah, I would need at least to, to do an hour. But see, I would want it to flow and make sense. I, I just wouldn't want to go from joke to joke to joke, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I would have to rewrite it, uh, for it to be a co- cohesive hour. I would say if you can give me uh three months of in, in, inter, you know, not being interrupted, mm-hmm. I, you know, I could bang it out. If I got to work, I need at least. Twice that amount of time. I dig that. Yeah. What's the most difficult part about writing jokes? Oh, now you're going to make me sound like a dick. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I can go first if you want me to. That's, yeah, you I, go first. They're not going to like my answer. <laughs> All right. So I will, and I'll start with my, because I, I, I did say I was going to answer the other question too. The most personal thing I've ever talked about on stage is getting molested. Mm. Okay. Um, and it wasn't like I, I'm still I'm still working on that, y'all. It ain't like it was like molestation. <laughs> but right. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a quick, like a quick. I was hosting an open mic or something, and I was like, guys, I'm not gonna lie. I haven't felt this violated since I was getting molested at three years old, and everybody bust out laughing. Right. Um, but that's the most personal thing I've talked about on stage. It's okay. probably between that and like the death of my mentors, because I call God an Indian giver. Mm. Mm. <laughs> And wow. people, people in the audience like, what? Like, wow. <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> done giving my <laughs> I wasn't done giving back. But um, those are the two most personal things I've talked about. As far as, as, what does I say? The hardest part about writing jokes? Yeah, what's the hardest part? It's not hard anymore, but it was the hardest part for me uh, when I first started writing jokes. Like, 
realizing, and you said it before, just realizing never to trust your first edit. Like, even if you write something and you're like, oh, this is hilarious, just read it out loud. Like, right. <laughs> you know, like actually read it out loud. And then, right. you know, don't not trust in my first edit. Cause I used to not trust the first edit. Then I would go to an open mic, no one would laugh. I'd be pissed. Then I show back up, re edit the joke, and then show up, and now people are laughing. But now, you know, just, hey, reread, you know. Reread the joke a couple times out loud and see what you can change, what needs to be taken out, that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. it would be between that and not taking silence personally, because I do realize like sometimes when I'm talking, not everything has a punchline. Sometimes, right? You know, yeah, right, right. Like that time when I brought up pain at the show, at the show that you just did. I was like, guys, you know what the opposite of laughter is? It's pain, <laughs> and these dudes are really sharing their pain. Like, this is an intimate situation. Yes. And people are just looking like, damn, this really is an intimate situation. Yes. And with that, coming to the stage. But the yeah. next painful person, though. <laughs> next broken soul. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we check guns at the door for a reason. No, I'm just we don't. Stop it. Man. Uh, yeah. So, oh, uh, what do I find? I used to find, uh, I used to think that writing was harder. But it's, but I've simplified the process basically. Okay. You know, or you found your own process. I found my own process, and for me, um, you know, once I get the idea, you know, what I'm saying, and and I write it out, um, I just keep repeating it to myself over and over again. You know, what I'm saying, like if it's five yeah. minutes, you know, what I'm saying, like, you know, and not to the point where you know I get tired of doing it, but like while I'm in the shower, you know, I'm I'm constantly rewriting it in my head and it and either i say it funnier or it goes into a different direction and if you if you don't give it time you know what i'm saying it's like i want a cake i want to bake a cake but i'm mad that it's not done in four minutes Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying instead of giving this proper time to bake cool down so you can put the icing on now you can decorate it you know what i'm saying and and jokes are kind of the same way it's just like you just have to know which part of the, you know, of, of the process you're in, mm-hmm. you know? And, and for me, that's, you know, that, that's why it's simplified now. You know what I'm saying? I don't force myself to, as soon as I put something or type something, however you're doing it, for it to be the funniest shit that I've ever written. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just the idea. And then I just have the conversation with myself in, in my head until, you know. So you kind of plant the seed and letting it grow. Yeah, yeah. I just ha- I just keep having the conversation with myself until it gets better. Okay. You know, and even and and this is what happens. Like, let's say you have a five minutes or a ten minutes or whatever, and let's say you want to kick it somewhere else, and and you're just practicing. In that practice, it gets better. You know, what I'm saying, oh shit, mm-hmm. I should say it this way. You know, what I'm saying mm-hmm. this would probably be funnier. You know, what I'm saying. Uh, so yeah, that for me, that's just my process. You know, just never thinking that I'm done working on the joke. I dig that. Yeah. And I feel the same. I mean, I feel that part. Like, yeah. when when is a joke done? Uh, like you said, I guess when you say it on, you know, national TV. Then right. Once it gets out to the masses, then you're really done with it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But before that, yeah, you can keep refining it, man. You, you really true. can. And they, and they will get better. Like, because yes. even at the at the show that we did, or the, so I host a show on Thursday nights uh, on the last Thursday of the month called Fresh Lineups. It's in Pflugerville. Um, check out the social media if you want to see anything about it. But yes. uh, the I, we had our first one last month. Randall was the headliner, but um, all four of the comedians that did the shows, I was very familiar with. And it was cool to see in real time, like, 
how they'd expanded certain parts of their jokes or certain parts of their bits and the other things and were able to get more time, more quality time out of it. And, you know, use them, um, you, you know, the transitions. It's just, it's cool to see because it's definitely an evolution for sure. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. So I'm going to let you off the hot seat now. All right. Because <laughs> this interview's <laughs> coming to a close. No doubt. So uh, who hurt you? No, I'm just playing. My, uh, What was my last question? Is there anything? Two questions. Okay. What advice would you give to someone that's thinking of starting out comedy? And then is there anything else that you wanted to say before we wrapped up? Um, I would say do not trust your friends and family if they tell you, hey, you should do comedy. Um, number one, they love or at least like you a lot. Uh, so that they're already halfway to laughing as it stands. Mm -hmm. uh, making strangers laugh, people who are not bought into you in any way, form or fashion, it's, it's, it's just a different animal. Mm -hmm. um, Especially so if those people pay to be there. Right. And, and a lot of people, you know what I'm saying, get fooled by that. You know what I'm saying? Um, you, you've been at work and someone who you don't like says some shit that's funny and you just don't laugh that shit could be funny as hell you will, your tongue will bleed and you be like fuck that I'm not laughing at that bullshit you know what I'm saying so don't trust your friends you know what okay. I'm saying like, it's not real bro that's <laughs> real, real. That's, that is such good advice cause I can't tell you how many times you see somebody walk off stage bombing my mom thought that was hilarious like get right. the fuck out right. get your ass out of here she right? also wiped your ass of course she's yeah. super funny <laughs> <laughs> you know, everything you do is cute to her yeah or them cats that be like you said oh my friends think I'm funny are they all are they high when they say these things like, right man no it's, that's not what it is man it really is not um is there anything I'd like to say shoot man I don't know um I, I appreciate the time man I appreciate the time uh keep doing what you're doing uh this is a very hard working man uh that uh, when I first met, I can't lie, I just underestimated him. I just thought he was just some goofy, uh, bad <laughs> bad college student. You know what I'm saying? Someone that probably should have been home studying instead of trying to kick these jokes. But <laughs> This man don't never go to class. He right. Like, he needs to, need to keep his ass in class. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Mr. Tall for nothing. <laughs> oh. I had no idea. I had no idea. Oh, yeah. Why is he that tall? <laughs> For what? Well, you, well, now we know it's because he's fucked up. Yes. <laughs> nah, that's it, man. I appreciate you, man. Uh, continued success, man. Uh, look forward to the next time we work together. Yeah, nah, same here, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to be it. Uh, thank y'all for checking us out. Thank you again to Random Martin for coming through. I know it's not always. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.